Welcome to another episode of Kentucky Football Carpool Show. I'm Nick. I'm Mike. I'm Chris. All right, with us today we have TJ Hendrickson with us again. Uh, welcome back, my man. Hey, what's up, fellas? How y'all doing? Hey, good. Surviving. How you doing, man, during this quarantine? Hey, you know, last time since the last time we talked, uh, my wife delivered our, ba- our third baby, and uh, it's been kind of uh, crazy having a baby in quarantine uh, when she was born. I uh, actually couldn't go back into the hospital room until my wife was basically pushing. So it, it, it's it's kind of different. It's it's kind of hard getting used to, but hey, we're we're hanging in there. Yeah, congratulations, man. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. That's awesome. How's the baby doing? Are you guys taking oh, her for walks? Yeah. Oh yeah, we we take her for a walk every day, and then she's doing good. She's growing. She's healthy, and. One day I'll be able to tell her that she was born during a pandemic, so not not too shabby. It's pretty good. I mean, that's, I mean, that was all I kids. Oh, unless last, unless you were born a hundred years ago, you really can't say that. So <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, regardless, um, also heard about you know you also had some stuff happening at your hometown, right? With her, with the tornadoes. Yeah, uh, you know. My mom and and back in Chattanooga, Tennessee, she was in a tornado a couple weeks ago. Uh, hit her house pretty good, but she's alive, and you know that that's all that counts. Uh, a lot of people didn't make uh, it out, so uh, just crazy times we're living in. Yes, it is. It's crazy out there. <laughs> now we got murder hornets to worry about. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, man. All right, well, I'm glad everybody's all right. Um, obviously. It's terrible to have a tornado during a pandemic, but um, it is what it is, man. I, like I said, I'm just glad everybody's all right. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. All right. Well, we got uh, we got some new any. Well, I guess we got some new news on the football front. We have some transfers. Uh, Chris, you want to tell us about the transfers? I mean, I don't really want to talk about it. It hurts too bad, but we can. Um, <laughs> so we have Drew Slagle, who's a walk on. So that's. That's not too bad. He played uh, in every game last year, so uh, you know he was a big team player. Played essentially fullback, H back. Um, you know, kind of played on the line, played tight end, big blocker. Um, then Amani Gilmore, he transferred. I think everybody was kind of anxious to see what he was going to turn out to be because if you watched his highlight film from high school, you saw you know, Lefty who threw a great looking deep ball. Uh, he was mobile. He was a he was a pitcher for the baseball team had a lot a lot to like but he was really raw and i think he kind of saw the writing was on the wall we knew either him or nick Scalzo was going to eventually transfer just because with the addition of gatewood and bo allen you know spots just filled up too much in the quarterback room so it sucks but it happened I, um, I was actually surprised that he left because because coming in we kind of i mean what i heard was what i read about was he was more focused on baseball than so much football uh, maybe that maybe I'm wrong on that, um, but I guess every kid wants to play. That's what it comes down to, right? Yeah, uh, and it's a crowded room. And but I just I just thought he was more more uh, tone or more focused on his baseball game and kind of playing football just to play, you know, kind of like a secondary sport where it's usually vice versa. He didn't cool. even play for Kentucky's baseball team. He went on the team last year. Oh, so okay. He was, he was totally focused on his football. Well, it's unfortunate he's going. I I, I saw it. I knew. I, honestly, I think there's going to be another transfer out of the football, out of the quarterback room too. To be quite honest with you, because um, there's a guy that just came that we just signed that's going to be the next after these two go. <laughs> I mean, this is my, just my opinion. Yeah, 
one of the freshmen coming in. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That's I wasn't gonna, you know, if I don't want to put pressure on him, but you know, same time he uh, he's gonna be the future. I think. I yep. think. Uh, I think he's gonna be a stud. I do too. Uh, but losing both those guys sucks, man. But that's part. Of, that's kind of part of where what it's what it's like now. Kids want to play, and they don't want to wait it out. They don't want to. It's not so much they don't want to compete. They just they just feel like. Uh, like before, guys would see it as a challenge. You know, you bring in new guys, and and that's a challenge. I'm going to prove them wrong. But kids nowadays, like, I, I mean, I don't have to prove them wrong. I'll just go somewhere and immediately play, right? I mean, it's kind of the transfer portal. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's kind of a weird, weird, uh, weird world we live in with the college football. So, well, quarterbacks in particular, you know, the saying is quarterbacks were made to transfer. Like. Those guys have a different personality, and they want to play right away. So if they don't play within the first couple of years of them being on campus, they want to find somewhere else to play. And it's really the only spot that you can't rotate players on a consistent basis. You have to have just one guy playing quarterback, what, majority of the time. I mean, there's a few schools. I don't know any school really that had any success with multiple quarterbacks. Not, I mean, not with, like, a lot yeah, of success. Jared and Shane Boyd. Yeah, exactly. And it didn't work out that way. I mean, I don't know. I just, I've never been a fan of rotating. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been a big fan of the two quarterback system anyways. So anyway, so anyways, uh, moving on with our other stuff's going on. Uh we did have two Hall of Famers come in. Um one of them obviously was one of me and Mike's favorites and of course he's a he a bear, yeah. a bear. So Danny Trevathan. Uh did anyone watch that video? Yeah, I still haven't had a chance to watch that video yet. It's pretty good. Anyone else did TJ did you watch the video? No, I haven't seen the video at all. Chris, did you watch the video? I, I did. I did watch it. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't bad. When it wasn't as great as you made it out to be, but <laughs> it, it was cool. He was genuinely surprised. He was happy that he was going to be a part of Kentucky's Hall of Fame. Mitch Barnhart is very awkward. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's kind of an awkward Hello, person. My man, what's up, my man? I know he's he's a little weird. I mean, he's a little different. Uh, now, me and Mike will tell you <clears throat> when. Joker Phillips was here. We had seats uh, on the 30-yard line. And right we, below his seats. Right below his seats. And uh, he he started cussing at fans. Fans were yelling up at him, telling him to fire Joker. And he started yelling back, cussing back at him. So from that point on, I was like, this guy gets really serious with these games. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I like Mitch after that. <laughs> I mean, he was – I mean, you, you talk about athletic director screaming back, you know, screaming back F-bombs to guys, tell them, you know – Tell them shut the fuck up. He told them shut the fuck up. He told them to leave. If they don't – if you don't fucking like it, leave. So, I, this was just, that was just different to me. But, uh, but the other one that was Hall of Famer was Wilbert Hackett. Which was obviously one of the trailblazers of the color bar- breaking the color barrier, which is big time, obviously oh, yeah. awesome. in the game nowadays. Um, it's, it's pretty. It's pretty cool that Kentucky has that. Um, I mean, anybody, anybody think that's? I mean, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Not only did he get inducted to the Hall of Fame, but he also got his. Uh, he finished his degree this this week. Which is which is awesome. Lots of guys, lots of guys graduated. And I also think that uh, it's pretty awesome that they put it. I don't know if y'all saw the picture or not, but they put the uh, graduation gown on his statue outside of Nutter Fieldhouse. Yeah, I did see that actually. That was really cool. Yeah, I, I saw that as well. I, I thought it was pretty good stuff. Uh, but I mean, it's it's just a pretty cool to have uh, the Kentucky can be the one that says we're the trailblazers and letting you know integrating our. Uh, 
our sport. I mean, football. And obviously, it's never been the same since then. And, and it's pretty cool. And, you know, uh, probably not much to say on that. I mean, besides, you know, good guys making the Hall of Fame. I've, I was actually kind of surprised Danny Trevathan made it this early. Yeah, I was too. Uh, I mean, he had a great career and stuff, but uh, I wasn't thinking – I thought this was pretty early, but, you know, good thing uh, for him. He deserved it. He's a bear and a cat. Yeah. <laughs> he was awesome when he was here. How long has he been, long has it been since he left Kentucky? 2013. It's got, it's got to be close to 10 years, right? 2013. That was his last year. His last year was was yep. Stoops' first year. So eight years. Yeah, eight years. There you go. Well, going on eight years. Yeah. So I mean, it's I a mean, long time away. He's had a pretty good pro career too, man. He's, he's had a great career, really. I think he's he, the Super Bowl champion, and he's gotten paid, man. Oh yeah, very true. I mean, you gotta think he's had a lengthy career for a small, undersized linebacker. I mean, not many guys last that long in the league. That's very, very true. Very, very true. I um, also saw another news. I also saw Stoops was named top 15 coach in the country. Anyone think that that's low or is that a pretty good spot? Yeah, it's a good spot. I mean, the guys brought Kentucky from obscurity to, I mean, in the media's eyes, Kentucky hasn't moved the needle that much. But the reality is he's made Kentucky a contender in the SEC East uh, pretty much every year since he's after his first three years where Kentucky would win, you know, their four, first four or five games of the year and then kind of collapse. But now Kentucky's been the last two years, 10 wins and eight wins. And last year, if Terry Wilson doesn't get hurt, who knows? Maybe another 10-win season. This year, if the season is even around, uh, you know, Kentucky's – we have arguably our best team, uh, especially depth and talent-wise, um, you know, maybe even better than a 10-win season team. Me and Mike actually had a, had a conversation this week. What do y'all think our record would have been if Lynn would have started from the start? After right after Terry got hurt and Lynn would have played, do you all think our record would have been the same or better? You have to think it'd be better. Who you beating? Who you beating with that quarterback? Think he beat South Carolina. Okay. If he plays quarterback, all, right, what's, all right. What's, how about this? We'll go around and start. Chris, what do you think the record would have been? Breaking down the games from last year, what do you think? Obviously, you know the games that he played in, so you count those as wins and losses, right? So, Because it doesn't matter if he plays Tennessee or not, he lost to Tennessee, right? So the games he actually played in and lost in, you count those. So the games prior to, what's the year, he played in? So it was, it was prior to was right? you know, Mississippi State. Yeah, yeah, Mississippi State, yeah. South Carolina, Florida. So those three games, what, what do you all think happens in those three games if he starts a quarterback? I'll go first. I think... Honestly, I think we beat Mississippi State and South Carolina. And I, I, I think we could have snuck one on Georgia because that game was not uh, a runaway for Georgia at all and would have played more into the hands of what Kentucky was doing with Lynn Bowden and how much the offensive line was dominating, how good of a blocker Chris Rodriguez was for Lynn Bowden. And from, uh, from know, also would have thrown a lot of picks. From yeah. was throwing picks left and right up to that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think Kentucky may have snuck out of there with one, but the, the question comes up, you know, if he plays that long and he's taking that many snaps, how long into the season before he gets injured or he wears down? Because you can tell during that Virginia Tech game, he was wearing down. That's, uh, I mean, yeah, that, that's true. But I just think, uh, I think with, I mean, my opinion, I think, I think they beat, I, I definitely think they beat Mississippi State. 
I I don't think they beat South Carolina. I thought that even though uh, I think Kentucky is better than them, I just don't think Kentucky was ready to play that game. Um, and I think Florida, we actually probably lose that game without them. So so I think we get one more win. That's what that's my my opinion because I just think with Florida, we play into their hands by running it all the time. Yeah, Grantham loves to bring those blitzes and. Uh, but that's 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 where I think that we went. Now, if we had Terry, I think we beat Tennessee, and I think we beat we beat Tennessee, and we beat uh, we beat Florida. Uh, but I still think we lose to Georgia. I think we lose Georgia regardless, whether there's rain or not. Not because of of anything other than they're just they're just a little bit more talented than we are at this point. Now this year we're more even. Yeah, I think we're definitely – we might be a little more talented, especially on the lines. Well, I think it's going to be a big difference with the uh, whole corona thing going on. People aren't getting prepared. All right, TJ, what do you think, man? Honestly, I think we – I'm just going to go out on a limb and just say forget Lynn Bowden and Terry Wilson and all that stuff. If uh, I forgot his name all of a sudden, but if the Florida quarterback uh, never gets hurt, we beat Florida by a lot. Yeah, Franks. I agree with that. Franks. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. If yeah, if Franks never gets hurt, I don't care who you have at quarterback for Kentucky. We beat them by a lot. And if you look at it too, I think we beat Mississippi State because if you, if you remember, I think the first play of the game for Kentucky was a pick six, wasn't it? Yeah, Tommy yeah. Stevens got injured uh, in the first quarter of that game, and Kentucky was eating him alive. And not to mention, yeah. So. I, not to mention that that Kentucky that Limbo and how great he was this season against Mississippi State. He dropped two footballs in the end zone. Am I not wrong? Yeah. He dropped two yeah, footballs in the end zone. He dropped them. Um, I mean, that's fourteen yeah. points you're kind of leaving out on the board right there. And I, think, I think I think South Carolina. I think South Carolina owed us one anyway for the past couple of years. So I, that one's a crap shoot to me. So. They just didn't come ready to play. One or two more. They did not come ready to play that South Carolina game. They they really got. I think it was a combination of things. I think I think it was just it's just a big letdown. It was a really good crowd that night too. Um, yeah, South Carolina just wanted more. The fans wanted more. The players seemed like they did. And I'm gonna tell you, they all. If if anyone should be thanking us, it's Muschamp because if he does not beat Kentucky, he's probably uh, he probably doesn't have a job right now. No, his job was saved by beating that uh, beating Georgia. Well, Georgia and Kentucky, but but I'm telling you, if he would have lost to Kentucky, he probably they might let it go of him at the Kentucky game. <laughs> yeah, that very well may be true. <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, I just think I think I think uh, if he plays the whole season, I still think we I think we lose to Florida, and obviously you, you're he lost to Tennessee, so I think yeah. we do better with Terry at quarterback against Tennessee. But I mean, we played a really good game against Tennessee last yeah, year. We did up until the end. <laughs> That's pretty yeah, much just had a hard time closing it out. What do y'all think the spread's going to be this year down in Florida? By the way, that was disrespect. I, I think they give Florida 10, 10 on Kentucky. Ten? I told you, Nick and I. Ten. I think it could be yeah. as high as fourteen. T, TJ, what do you think, man? I'm going to go with six and a half. See, that's more Rob. I think like four and a half. If, if it, I'm going to tell you what, they're if going to disrespect the shit out of us. If, if it's ten, Florida, if it's ten, I'm eating all over that. Because I saw today, Kentucky's a uh, hundred to one to win the SEC, which is which is that's probably about right because we're you. Not only do you have to win the East, but you also have to beat you know Alabama or someone. But yeah. but at the same time, if if Florida is a is anything more than a touchdown favorite, I am going to bet the. Fuck out of that. That's yeah. all I'm going to tell oh, you. Yeah, I'm going to unload. <laughs> so, I'm going to unload on that. I'm going to take the money line on that shit, too. Well, here, 
Here's, so here's my thing with Florida. So you got that quarterback that came in and Nickel and Damas after Franks got hurt. I mean, teams are going to know what he does now. We never had clip. We never had video of what he did. He came in. He was he did he didn't even start in high school, and now you're going to have a whole year of being able to look at what he did, his progressions, his reads. I don't think Florida is going to be that good this year because of the quarterback situation. That's just my opinion. I, I say they may win seven, eight games. And they lost so much experience. They did lose a lot of experience. Yeah. At, the, at the game, Mike will tell you, at the game, at the Florida game this year, when Franks went down, the guy came in, and the guy behind us said what? He said, this guy ain't fucking played, like, he hadn't played any kind of, any kind of uh, uh, sports since he was, like, in – in uh, high what school, yeah, like sophomore in high school. Or something. Yeah, last game so like. so we're like, okay. Well, then he comes in. Of course, Kentucky fashion, they have no idea how to prepare for a backup quarterback, and he comes in and and proceeds to do what he did. Now, Kentucky had a chance to save themselves a couple times. One, I don't really think the targeting hit when it was like a third and fifteen was a targeting hit because because no. there was one on there was one with Sawyer uh, Smith later on Sawyer Smith later on. That they didn't call for on them, but they called it on us. And then, of course, we could have made a field goal, which would have made a difference too. Yep. But SEC's got to be a lot Florida, man. Always, hey, they do. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you're going to call that a targeting, you also got to call the one that's that that was on Smith too. That's that's just part of it. But uh, yeah, the guy behind us, <coughs> Mike was there. Yeah. I, I, he's like, I don't know anything about this kind of thing. It hasn't started since and, I, and the whole game, I was giving it to Franks, like, all fucking game long. And, and you know, he, they, they said he's Heisman. He was Heisman worthy. Oh, Go to season Florida fans are like, oh, he's going with the Heisman. Yeah. Felipe Franks. Freaking ridiculous. They He played, he didn't even play a great game against Michigan his, his that last that last game of the season. So, Fuck him. He's yeah. terrible. And Probably. the guy ran his fucking mouth, too. Yeah. I mean, he fucking ran his mouth. You know what? I'm just always going to cheer against him. <laughs> After that Miami game, that Miami-Florida uh, game last year, and he's running around like he won the fucking Super Bowl. I was like, all right, all right, clown. You just fucking beat a fucking a Miami team that had, like, all freshmen on their offensive line. So let's go and get that straightened out. <laughs> Calm down there. <laughs> I know. I mean, come on. But I actually agree with you, TJ. I think seven or eight uh, is probably where they're going to be at. But everyone's got them eleven to one. I mean, everyone. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I, well, say- I do want to explore something here for a second. Uh, let's just think: like, who are the most hateable faces in recent SEC football history? Felipe Franks has got to be top five. Oh yeah, Felipe Franks is definitely in. Definitely in the top five. <laughs> Jeremy, oh, Pruitt, Jeremy Pruitt. Oh, Jeremy Pruitt. I punch him in the face. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that guy's. That guy's. Uh, that guy's a, uh, a loser face. He don't bother me as much, but I mean, any kind of Tennessee person bothers me. But Dan Mullins. No, I don't like Dan Mullins' face. <laughs> oh my god! I'm going to kick him. <laughs> Dan Mullins. He's no, yeah, a nice never, guy. You know, he might be a nice guy, but you know what? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um. If we're picking, uh, is, is, is Mark Camp on that list? Who? If we're picking punchable faces, I'm going to have to say uh, Jimmy Clausen and Jared or uh, Josh Dobbs from Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Josh Dobbs for sure. Yeah. Josh Dobbs for sure. If we're really going to go back, we'll do like Bobby Petrino and stuff too, because those guys get, deserve <laughs> to get punched in the face too. Oh yeah. I mean, go ahead, Dobbs. I mean, yeah. I mean, his own fans want to punch him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I, I I do think that that uh, UK is going to benefit 
uh, with that gi in the second game of the year. Um, so and it, and it seems like it seems like uh, it seems like Kentucky plays Florida really well for whatever reason. Eddie Grand's game plan against against uh, Grantham it this seems to work. Uh, he just throws it up, right? Because Grantham blitzes everybody, so you know, one on ones on the outside. So why not? I mean, it's true. The only time I remember you think Miss- about it last year. Go ahead. He used oh. Keaton Upshaw and Ahmad Wagner, and he had one on ones on the outside the whole time. And both times, Sawyer Smith hit him for touchdown. Yep. I think. I mean, it, it kind of sucks for Ahmad Wagner. He was a, he was due for a big year. If uh, you know, if what's his name didn't get hurt, if Terry Wilson didn't get hurt, he probably was going to have a big season because they would have they would have been able to use Lynn like they always use Lynn, kind of like that in the slot, and that would have really opened up just to launch it up to uh, Ahmad Wagner and. Kind of unfortunate what happened, but at the same time, he accepted his role. I never saw him complain or anything. Did Did you guys? No, apparently he was like the consummate teammate. Awesome, always supportive, always willing to do whatever it took to win. That's I mean, that's what you want out of a guy. I mean, that's and that's why he's in the league right now. Probably they probably they probably did their homework on him, and that's why someone signed him to at least uh, you know at least he'll be able to play on a practice squad or maybe even make the team. So he signed with the Bears. Yeah, I know. I know. We know. Mike. Mike. Uh, Mike made a big deal about it. So, because <laughs> the Bears, the Bears but just. Gonna throw to him. Yeah. No shit. Well, they have Nick Foles now, sorry. So. Oh, that's your little RPO action. I mean, they they I mean, they they just wasted their whole like draft. What is it? Three years ago with Trubisky, they they gave up all like what they gave up like three picks to get him, and they're just gonna let him it walk. Didn't even make sense. He started one year at fucking North Carolina, and you're gonna move up in the draft to take him. That sounds like some typical Bears shit. I know, and that was the same draft that had uh, the guy that just won the Super Bowl. So you know, so I mean, Dolphins did the same thing this year. I mean, they took they took Tua. It's a big, it's a big risk, but uh, at least Tua has some sort of success on the on the college level. <laughs> you know, so I don't know. I still I'm still confused why your Patriots did not take a quarterback. I just like. Just like, are they really just that confident in him? I mean, does he look that good? Or, or I, mean, I didn't think he looked that good in college, let alone pro. Yeah, he did. When he was at Baylor, he looked great, and even at times in Auburn, he looked really good. At Auburn, I feel like they ran the ball that, more. You know that kid had he had he had four different office, offensive coordinators in his four years in college. All right, does anyone know where he's from? No clue. Really? No one knows where he's Wait, from? What did you say? Where, where Stidham's from? Does anybody know where he's from? He, he grew up in Kentucky and then he moved to Texas High School. Went to Baylor for college his first two years. When all the rape stuff happened at Baylor, he transferred, I think, to a junior college or maybe out and just trained for a year. And then he went to Auburn his last two years. Yeah, he's from Kentucky, though. He played uh, – him and uh, Damian Harris were on the same – were on the same, like, Little League team or some stuff. Something like that. They were they were actually he he grew up right around Richmond where I went to college at. So and actually I, I knew some people in college that knew him. So he was a really good guy. So I mean there you go. Got that going for you for the Patriots. But I still think you get uh, when Love is sitting there, you take him. In my opinion, <laughs> he's going to be a good football player. I, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I thought they should have taken a receiver. Well, they need they need they need weapons. That's for sure. I mean, do you think he's throwing the talent this year? The Titans beat it out of him, huh? Titans beat the shit out of him, and now he's throwing the towel in this year, huh? I mean, if, if that's the narrative you want to create, that's fine, but that's not the truth. 
the narrative is the Dolphins are coming for the East title. That's right. <laughs> their their hopes and dreams are going to shatter with two of Well, guess we'll see, huh? Uh. Hey, so, you know, I just want to say as a, as a Tennessee Titans fan and a former Houston Oilers fan, I love the fact that the Tennessee Titans are always going to be in Tom Brady and Bill Belichick's mind. You look at it, the Titans ruined Brady's career. The, the dynasty is over. I agree Whatever with that. I want to say it ruined his career. And, uh, I think the six rings kind of bolsters him. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I'll tell you who ruined their career was letting I'll tell you what ruined their career was letting letting his very last home game Tom Brady will ever know in New England letting Fitzmagic come in there and throw all them fucking touchdown passes on him his last last throw was a pick six yeah yeah facts those are facts right there that broke him he was like quarterback when when the Dolphins came into New England and beat him he was like I better get the fuck out of here These are facts. These are facts we're laying out for you. I'm sorry, Chris. I know you love your Patriots, and they've had a very successful run. Lots of cheating, but they they got them. You know, they didn't get their shit taken away. So it all counts, right? Yeah. That's yep. all it is. It's, yep, yeah, yep. Six rings. Why don't you come at me? <laughs> six rings, six asterisks. I, 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 I don't need to say much. You can say whatever you want and, like, love on one year, but I can throw six years out there. I can throw the fact that they went almost undefeated out there. Yeah. Almost. Almost. I know a team that did go undefeated. Now you just set me up. <laughs> I know one team that did. When offensive and defensive linemen weighed 240 pounds and football wasn't very good. Well, you know, it is what it is. It still counts. Only one team done it. What team was that, Chris? I forgot. They're, they're in South Beach. Oh, that's right. The last time this actually mattered. That's right, Miami. Yeah, Miami Dolphins. Yeah, yeah. That's right. They won the next year, so that wasn't the last year they mattered. They won the next year, but so they, hey, they also matter in Ace Ventura. I don't see the Patriots being in Ace Ventura. Yeah, that's true. That that's true. That's true. That's very true. Mike puts up a good point there. Most people are Dolphins fans because they like Ace Ventura. That's right. <laughs> All right, get back on Kentucky. Yeah. We can go. We, we can quote Ace Ventura. We can quote Ace Ventura all day long. I don't mind. Uh, anyways, all right. So let's get on to the recruiting. Anything new on the recruiting front, Chris? I know we got some big signees. What this this week, wasn't it? We'll sign off. I'm Nick. I'm Mike. I'm Chris. Go Cats. Kratos is from Frederick Douglass in Lexington. Yeah. And he is, he is rumored to be favoring Kentucky. I don't want to like give away too much, but I, w- I would lean hard on Kentucky, and most experts are. Kentucky also got a commitment from uh, North Harden's running back, Lavelle Wright. He's a three-star guy. He chose Kentucky over Missouri and Tennessee. Did you know the interesting fact on do you know the, a, do you know the interesting fact on him, Chris? The, the interesting fact that? the interesting fact on him was this was I mean this kind of blew me away. He's like the first running back out of Kentucky that signed like what 10 for like since Stoops been here then like 10 years they, they haven't had a Kentucky running back come in like 10 years oh, that's right. that, that's I mean, right. that that kind of fascinating that, that blows my Alfonso mind Smith. Alfonso Smith, Smith yeah. the last uh, Kentucky home homegrown Kentucky running back that Kentucky signed wow that's a uh, that's wild that is that's that's a long time ago it seems like yeah uh, yeah I mean, that's uh I mean I, I just couldn't believe 
this Kentucky's talent, like the state of Kentucky, puts out some really good guys, but then like it's kind of like the top to next level is not very. It's not, you know, not 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 as successful, I guess. When I mean, we have some top guys, obviously, we had a guy from Alabama this year uh, that was out of Kentucky, out of Lexington, that went in the first round. Yeah. Um, Offensive lineman too, that hurts. Yeah, uh, but but you know, like I said, I'm glad we're getting some of these local guys. We are getting the big recruits out of Kentucky for the most part. Um, so go on. I'm sorry, Chris. Go ahead. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Lavelle Wright because he's not the fastest guy in the world. I think I saw an interview in the last couple of days that said that he ran a 4 five, six recently, and that's not exactly SEC speed for a running back, but, I mean, I guess you look at Benny Snell and Chris Rodriguez, they're not the fastest dudes in the world, but they're super effective. Um, but he can maybe play outside linebacker if he grows a little bit more, because he's a pretty thick kid, uh, pretty athletic. But to, to close out the week, Kentucky got... Uh, I guess earlier in the week, they got a 6'3 wideout from Ohio named Armand Scott. He wasn't really highly sought after. He had some decent offers, uh, you know, Missouri, Louisville, that kind of stuff. But uh, he's, he's projected to be more like, um, you know, good outside compliment to who will be to Kel Crowdis. Uh, and then the other burners that we have on the inside playing slot. He should be good on the outside. A lot of people compare him to, like, Dorian Baker as a recent name. Can he catch the ball? Really physical, great body control, uh, possession receiver. So we'll see how that pans out. Now, I, I, uh, I'm actually surprised that Kentucky's really – it seems like Kentucky's really making an effort to try to get a bunch of wide receivers in here, skill guys. I mean, like we talked – Chris, you've said it over and over again. We're, we're having a difficult time. We do have a few good skill guys, but overall, skill guys aren't wanting to come to Kentucky because it's a running type of offense so far um, and not having a quarterback that's real successful. So, I don't know. What do you – I mean, do you think they're really trying to make an effort to try to really – find a wide receiver that will stick around like they need a couple wide receivers it seems like we have one wide receiver every year but no one else right yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that's it's, it's well known and last year was out of necessity obviously everybody knows that but uh, you know you can't argue with the years previous to, the couple years previous to that you know you don't want to play air raid and all that kind of stuff but you, you do want a viable option uh when you're throwing the ball and catching the ball it's got to happen i think if kentucky has a couple guys who go over 700 yards and maybe over five touchdowns, that'll open the eyes to some of these national uh, recruits for wide receivers. And they'll maybe want to come to Kentucky like Kentucky's broke through with the more talented running backs in the nation and offensive linemen around the nation. I definitely... That's, like, that's the missing piece. And I think I think a big, uh, a big piece to the passing game this year, obviously the quarterback, but Keaton Upshaw, like, that dude has NFL written all over him. And anytime he got the ball last year, he made plays. That Florida game, he had a great game with the Florida game. Great blocker, great inline blocker. That dude's like 6'6", six, six, like 260 pounds, and he can run. If you don't get him the ball, like, man, I, I think that's bad juju. Like, it, it looks bad. I mean, I think I think, uh, I think think Ali's going to have a pretty good season this year. And I don't, he hasn't really shown much in the last game. He did good. He had, he had a couple of games where he had some a few catches, but not really much to show as far as stats go. But I, I think he's going to have a pretty decent year. But I think what Kentucky's going to benefit is the Lynn Bowden effect, just like the Josh Allen effect. If you have Lynn Bowden go into the NFL and be very good and people like him, 
that's going to help out a lot to get those guys to come in and say, hey, man, I was a you know slot receiver there or whatever, get skilled guys to come. I mean, do you – I think that that's a big deal. Uh, don't you guys? I, I think that's a big deal to me or to, to kids. That's a, that's a piece to the puzzle, but uh, shout-out to Justin Rowland of Rivals who's, who's been on the show. He, um, he put in an article recently that, yes, last year's running game and using Lynn Bowman as a quarterback was out of necessity – but other SEC coaches are still using that against Kentucky that, hey, you know, they couldn't even throw the ball to Lynn Bowden. And some players are actually listening to that. I mean, they have a valid point. It right? is. It's a recruiting tool against Kentucky. What pisses me off, throw the ball. what pisses me off a little bit is you did have all these quarterbacks on your roster. I mean, a lot of quarterbacks on your roster. And they, and instead of going – to using your quarterback, you just went straight to a, a wide receiver, which is fine. It was a smart move because he's your best player. So the guy, the only way you can guarantee him getting the ball every play is to put him at quarterback. And uh, he happened to play quarterback a lot in high school, so it wasn't like he's this is like some kind of foreign thing to him. Um, but same time, it, it did it pissed me off. I mean, I kept telling Mike over and over again, it's like, why are we got all these quarterbacks out here, and we're like, we're basically going to a straight run game. Now, like I said, it benefited us, but. Uh, but yeah, I didn't realize they were really negatively recruiting us. But it makes sense. I mean, it, it yeah. makes sense. I would like to see Bryce Oliver this year have a big year. Yeah, I do too. I well, think he's a guy that can start bringing in big name receivers for us. And, and then, of course, the guy we had last week, uh, Maggard, he said the same thing. He thought yeah. Bryce Oliver was going to be fantastic. He looked good in spring practice last year, and, and he made a hell of a catch this year. It was and kinda, like went away from him. <laughs> it's hard to gauge your wide receivers when you don't when you didn't throw the ball at all last year, right? I mean, TJ, is there anyone that you're excited about next Bryce year? Bryce Oliver has definitely shown the ability to stretch the field and make tough catches. Like, you got to get that guy more touches. I agree 100%. Anyone you're looking forward to, TJ? Yeah. yeah, so the guy that I have my eyes on and the big name that I like that uh, I think Terry is going to make a good connection with is somebody that y'all didn't even mention, and I can't believe you guys didn't mention him. But Alan Daly, man, he's he's six foot three, he's two oh four, he's got the body, he's strong as hell. Like if you've looked at this dude bogged downfield, he will knock your head off. And not only that, he's got great hands. I really like Alan Daly and Terry Wilson looking up a lot this year, especially down in that red zone. Just lob it up. He's not a mod or tall, but he's still pretty freaking tall. He's the tallest receiver we've got on the team. Well, Coach Coach Boonite, the new uh, new wide receivers coach, he was asked, you know, can you single out a few of the receivers who were really stepping up in practice? And he singled out Josh Ali, Cleveland Thomas, and Alan Daly as the three guys who like really stood out and they were really showing something before uh, the you know, COVID-19 break. So, I mean, he's made plays. Uh, he's still a young dude. But you're, you're right, he does have the body. He's not the fastest guy in the world, so he's more of a possession receiver and see what he can do after the catch. But it's hard to bring him down. He, he stiff arms people like crazy. Um, you know, it's just there's not enough on tape to say, like, yeah, you can see it for sure. He also made a tackle in the Louisville game when they ran that stupid-ass fake punt. I was watching that yesterday. <laughs> We owned we owned them up front. I can't believe they uh, Vegas kind of released some of the games, the uh, the spreads and some of the game. They actually they only have Louisville as a two point dog. I just feel like such that's, disrespect. I mean, it is kind of disrespect because Kentucky did own them up front on both sides of the ball, and that's where it, 
freaking matters, man. And they had a first rounder. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they did. Actually, I think he's a really good. He looks he's like a pretty be a good, great play, yeah. good run blocker. But I don't know so much pass blocking. Kentucky was was running around him because he's slow up on his feet. He's fast, but he's slow same time on his feet. But uh, sorry, it's a little lineman talk, right, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, but but no, I think I think Kentucky's head and shoulders better than Louisville. But Kentucky, they need they need uh, they have a bunch of wide receivers. They need some of these guys to step up this year because. Uh, this with with like I guess the year uh, after what Juice left and all the end we you know it was pretty much the Lynn yeah. show from then on so yeah. you can, kind of we got to find a guy for next year uh, you can't just run the ball the whole time I know we said that last year but still go ahead you know I love I love the running game I really do I love the old style football I mean you look at the Big Ten all they do is is run type you look at Iowa and and all those guys they run 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 the clock. Score, score points, score more than the other team, we're good. But does anybody else miss the days of Stevie Johnson and Andre Woodson and Derek Abney and Jacob Tammy where we would throw for three, four, maybe even 500 yards a game? I, I miss those days. I really do. I do, the but thing I – that was a balanced offense. That was a balanced offense. We, we, didn't, we had Rafael Little and Tony Dixon running the ball, and they did a great job running the ball. And Kentucky ran just as much as they threw. I just think that yeah, you all they, they did what they were at. You all are understanding that that Stoops, since he's come in here, and I'm, I mean, I'm sure you all do understand, he wanted to run that spread offense, but as it's evolved, he's become one of those guys where it's we'll win with defense. And I mean, unfortunately, as 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 long as he's here, I don't see us being going to be a run first offense. I, I think we're going to be a run first offense, and and more of a. We'll beat you on defense. You know, we'll 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 uh, manage the clock, run the ball. I know that's boring, but uh, I can give a shit less as long as we win. As long as we win, yeah. Uh, but do I think that that's sustainable? I don't know because the thing is to run that spread offense. And I said this before Stoops was here. They try to run this spread when Stoops was first year. You can't run a spread offense if you don't have five or four star wide receivers out there. I just, I just don't see it. Uh, you got to have the athletes to do it. Um, I, I don't see Kentucky does have them, but they don't. You know, I, w- I want to point this out, too. Look at, and I know we're going complete spectrums here from comparing Kentucky to Alabama, but look at Alabama early the, in the 2000s, early in the 2000s, Nick Saban, what did they like to do? Run, 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 strong defense. I mean, look at the running back Alabama brought in. Freaking ridiculous. First-round picks, Heisman winners, all that stuff. But guess what they've done recently? They changed over to that spread offense with Tua Tagovailoa, however you say his freaking name. Tagovailoa, so, you're going to know it in the if, season. If, Go ahead. <laughs> if, if you want to keep up with college football, you're going to have to change the dynamics with it. So I, I really hope that Stoops doesn't get behind the power curve here because you see a lot more teams going to that spread offense, the spread option. So I, I'm just hoping that he doesn't get caught up in his – stubbornness and five years down the road we're like oh man we're way behind what, what's going on here i agree with you on that the reason he changed over was because his league the west the sec west has mostly gone to spread offenses there's only one in the east that's that's kind of a spread offense that's florida but the rest of them georgia included they play defense they run the ball um now now we're off where i 
yeah, Missouri's been throwing it, but Missouri hasn't been very successful because they're like Kentucky. So they try to do that, but they, they, they get, they're not going to say Kentucky gets better recruits than Missouri, but at the same time, Kentucky doesn't have, Alabama's got five-star wide receivers across the board. They have athletes and stuff. I'm not saying that. I'm not downplaying Kentucky's recruits. But at this point, Kentucky doesn't have the wide receiver athletes to be able to run a spread. They're more made for running the ball and playing. They have a fantastic oh, defense. And, and that's that's where I think I think you're right on that. But at the same time, Alabama has actually take, taken a step back because they went to that. Because their defense now is yep. is on the – got to think their offense moves so quick – that their defense is on the field constantly. constantly, And their defense has taken a step back. Yep. We all agree with that, right? Their defense has yeah. taken a I step back. Way more points now. And the reason LSU was so great, probably the best team ever in college ba- uh, football, excuse me, college football, uh, because up until this year, LSU had a great defense, but all of a sudden they get Burroughs and they're able to run that spread type of offense. But you're also you're you're adding on to already a great defense, you had it on a quarterback. I mean, you already they had a fantastic defense before Burroughs even stepped on on campus. So that's why they were so good this year. But I bet you if LSU sticks with that spread for the next three years, their defense will take a step back as well, which is something I never thought I'd, t- I'd ever say because LSU is like Alabama. Is like, it, it's like – it's just weird to not see, like, their strengths being defense. It's more offense. You know, that's weird to me. Uh, I mean, when I was growing up, LSU and well, Alabama had great defenses. Go ahead. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm going to go out on the limb here. LSU is going to go back to being LSU after the, after this past year. I think they're going to go maybe eight and four, uh, maybe even nine and three. I, I don't think that they're going to be able to. Joe Burrow, whether you like him or not, was that team's saving grace. I, I really think with him leaving. They're going to go back down, and Coach O is going to go back down. They're going to get a dose of reality, and they're going to be a eight and four, nine and three team this year. And you know what? I'm going to well, tell you. I, I, go, go ahead, Chris. That's a little bit misleading because of how much they lost. That entire offense, literally, is in the pros now. So, oh yeah, you lose for sure. the whole offense. You lose the offensive. He wasn't quite the offensive coordinator. He he was pretty much the offensive coordinator in Brady. And now he's the uh, coordinator for Carolina Panthers. So he was a huge part of that. But, I mean, you can't, like, knock LSU because they just lost so much of that team. I mean, that would happen to anybody. Now, I will tell you, Vegas oh, Vegas is going to agree with you. Vegas agrees with both of you because I – think, think, Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I think LSU last year was probably the best offensive team in college football history without a doubt i mean it's it's the the stats are there the numbers are there i absolutely believe that yeah well i'll, I'll say this vegas agrees with y'all because they're uh uh vegas, vegas agrees with you because their their win total is nine and to go over you actually get it's plus 200 to go over and to go under is minus so they actually believe they're going to go under nine wins um but Anyways, we're getting off topic, but if we are going to have a season, do you, I mean, do you all think we're going to have a season? And if we do, do you think it starts on time? And do you think we'll have fans? Um, well, here's here's what I want to do. I'm gonna I'm gonna get this out of the way real quick. I'll go first on this one. I think we will have a season, and I think it's going to work in Kentucky's favor because I don't think there's going to be fans in the stadium. So when we go down to Florida, there's not going to be a home hostile crowd. When we go down to Auburn. 
there's not going to be almost 100,000 fans in that Auburn Stadium going crazy on a Saturday night. I think we're going to have football, whether it's in September, October, November, December. The NCAA can't stand to lose that much money. They're still going to have their TV contracts. We're going to have football. It's just going to be with no fans. Chris, what's your opinion? Man, you know, I'm usually uh, – I usually make an opinion and stand behind it. But this is one of these you know, rare occasions that I, I'm on I'm on the fence. Like, I can see them not having a college football season – because there is, you know, so much so so much in, uh, uncertainty, and you know they they don't have a, a way of testing all these players. And yeah, it sounds good to play these games without fans in the stands, but you still have over a hundred people on each sideline that could be carrying COVID nineteen. So it was like really worth putting them at risk too. Like I, I just don't know. Um, I honestly don't know if I if. if you know, gun to my head right now. No, I don't think they're gonna have a season. Okay, uh, I okay. My opinion. I think uh, I think they will have a season. I think they will start on time. The reason I think I think we have enough testing now to test players on a regular basis. Not saying they're gonna test them every day, but to test them weekly. Um, I do think they'll have a season. I don't think there'll be fans in the stands. I think the earliest they'll have fans in the stands is in October. That kills me and Mike because that is literally our whole fall is going to Kentucky games. This is like our thing, yeah. and and that kills me. Uh, but at the same time, I can't I can't envision sixty thousand people in a stadium. I can't even envision uh, one hundred and ten thousand in Tennessee or or, or Ohio State ninety nine thousand. I cannot envision that. Uh, there's no freaking way that you can social distance. You can't tell certain people they can come in and certain people cannot. Um, I don't think they will have fans in the stands if they start in September. Now, I'm also the under the impression that they might not start in till later date, but I do think they'll have a season. I agree with TJ that they are not going to miss out on that money. Unfortunately, that's what it'll come down to. Kids will play no matter what. Um, But I'm with Chris, too, where if you don't have enough testing, uh, they're not going to have it. But I think the SEC is pretty determined to play their schedule. Now, your non-conference, maybe not, but I think the SEC is going to play their schedule. Uh, All the teams in the SEC has opened their, their schools up. So I will say that. Uh, that's a good sign for the SEC. But as far as us playing, who do we start the season with? Eastern Michigan. And then, I mean, those type of teams, I don't know. Uh, uh, do you want someone from Eastern Michigan uh, coming down here sick and giving it to a player from Kentucky? I don't know. Uh, but same time, I think they will have a season, just not with fans until at the earliest October. What do you think, Mike? I agree with Nick on this. Uh, it kind of comes down to what that second wave is going to do. True. I mean, if the second wave is not bad, I think everything kind of goes back to normal, dude. I really do. But if it comes back and it's, you know, some people think it could be worse. If it's worse, then we're absolutely not going to have fans in the, se- in the stands and probably not a season. I agree. I agree with that, yeah. I think it just comes down to what happens from here on out. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyone else got anything else? Yeah, actually, I think, uh, you know, talking about fans and no fans, I think all of Vanderbilt's 100 season ticket holders will be able to go into the stadium for their football games. So that's a good that's a good point. My wife actually got into Vanderbilt for her doctorate, so I will say congratulations uh, to her. So I love her. This is a new podcast, the Commodores podcast. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Right. We just got we just got five new followers. 